0: Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, a very special one, guys. Monica from Guru Grit comes by. She is an astrologer, a student of the spiritual practices, and a phenomenal storyteller. So she is absolutely incredible. Of course, you guys are going to love her. All of the ways to find her, her YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, all that good stuff is located down in the show notes. Make sure that you guys check her out. Like I said, you are absolutely going to love her. One of a kind, for sure. Now, uh, down in the show notes as well is going to be our affiliate links. So Food Forest Abundance, of course. Libsyn, if you'd like to start your own podcast, you get two months free down there with that link. And then as well as if you were going to buy anything at all on Amazon, please do it through our link. It helps the show for something you were going to do anyway, ideally, right? So also, guys, check out Opus linked down there as well if you've had any unexplainable Experiences of any kind Opus can help out And they are a great ear And a great resource So that is of course linked Down there in the show notes Also Plus If you would like to Expand your experience With us here on the show You can do that In the show note link Titled Expandingrealitypodcast.com That's going to be where All of our merchandise Links to All of the socials Lives are replayed there That we do As well as The Too Cool for YouTube stuff Which there's definitely Some of that uh, And all of that stuff's there Kind of like a one stop shop So So Without any further ado, let's get to this amazing conversation with Monica from Guru Grit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcoming to the show, we have Monica from the Guru Grit. Monica, how are you?
1: Never better. Thank you for asking, how are you today?
0: Every day. Above ground is a great day, and thank you so much for asking. Uh, This is awesome. I met you on TikTok, uh, which I'm a big fan of. Everybody listening out there is just like rolling their eyes because I keep going, I meet the coolest people on TikTok, and other people's experience of that platform is not the same as mine, and I'm okay with that because what I like to do is take my experience of that platform and let everyone know that there's actually incredibly cool stuff on there if you weed through all the nonsense. So tell me about how you started Guru Grit.
1: Well, like all good things in life. It was it wasn't planned. I was uh it was at um it was during lockdown, during COVID. And I've been an astrologer for years, but I only had word of mouth clients that were usually, you know, 40s or a little bit a little bit older. And I knew them face to face. They just call me, whatever. And I remember eating dinner one day and I went, I'm so tired of life. I want purpose. And I remember eating my food, which is always where my main skill lies rather than cooking and i thought i just want purpose and i said to myself in this moment of desperation it god if you tell me what to do i will do it i don't care what it is and out of nowhere um i was posting little TikToks for fun and people just started messaging me saying can you do my chart and I thought, no, like I don't really know them and I don't and they don't know me. That's the other thing. I didn't want to come across as fraudulent. So I said, well, I'm gonna have to start making astrology content so people believe me. And as you can already tell, I care too much what people think. And so that's how it started. And I said, okay, then I this I can't keep up with this demand. I had to open a little shop. And Guru Groot was born simply out of a need to serve. I have a need to be useful, to be helpful to others. It's my idea of love. So I that's just pretty much it. I asked once, I got the answer and I didn't ignore it. And so, here we are now. Questions evolved from just astrology to all spiritual practices. I started answering questions on video on YouTube. I think my first question ever was a woman going through custody battle and all these things, and then articles, and here we are now on Expanding Reality talking. So, yeah.
0: It's awesome. Uh, so you are a student of spirituality and astrologer, but also you're a storyteller. Now, this is in your bio, storyteller, but I would add to it, phenomenal storyteller. I think you missed an adjective at the beginning of it, because you're hilarious. Uh, I hop on your lives. I think I told you I had a bit of a mother-in-law situation going over here for about a week, and one of the highlights of it was my me and her sitting down and watching one of your lives, and both of us laughing our asses off because you have just such a great personality and just so many amazing observations so uh where do you get that from where do you get your humor from
1: well thank you so much so first of all thank you and um i have to say i censor myself when i work because work is work i'm there to help others um, and they're not there to listen to me be myself but on the live it's like something switches off and like you're primitive brain. I don't know what it is. It's like no one can hold me accountable so I don't see another face. So I just let it rip. So I have a good time and I think people need to come to the lives and enjoy themselves because the astrology content can be a bit heavy. So the storyteller really comes from um, the lives. Basically, people people will just come on there and the people who are newer, which is perfectly acceptable, will say, tell me about, you know, Jupiter and Libra or something. And then the people who come on the reg will just bombard the comment section and say, tell us a story, girl, you know, you're so funny that someone like ghost you. You're like, tell us, tell us, tell us. So I thought, you know what? Storyteller first. And ultimately, you know, everything on earth, everything on life, the planets, they tell us a story. Astrology tells you the story of yourself that you've chosen, but you forgot. So if someone can decode it for you, that's great. But if not, you'll still figure it out where it comes from. Lovingly, my mother said to me one time, I like to talk, I'm a talker. And she went, good Lord, because I take after my dad, you know, in appearance, but in personality, I'm just like my mom. And she went, if that man gave you anything, it's the fact that you talk just like him. And he's a profoundly witty, intelligent man. And um, anytime we go to dinner or something, everyone just within an hour will just be crowded around him. And he's telling stories. And as a kid, I used to think he's so full of life. And if there's anything I want, it's to always be hungry for life. And I think if you tell stories, people can relate to, even if they were sad at the time, and you're like, well, all I could do was laugh. It was so ridiculous, and it was so humbling, and had I not been there to experience it or see it, nobody would believe me, but I'm telling you, this happened to me. It brings people together, because it just makes you realize, like, this human journey, there's no hierarchy of who's better than someone else. We're all going to suffer, <laughs> so that's my uh, that's my ethos. Let's start there. We're all here to suffer in equal measure, but in different ways, So usually some people think they're born luckier under the right star and others aren't. Not really. You know, if you accept the fact that life is inherently challenging and you can make fun of yourself, tell that story. Beautiful.
0: Absolutely beautiful. Now, it is not in my nature to disagree with guests, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because I heard a subconscious slip in there that you and I are going to walk through to correct. So you said that uh, people don't want to see who you really are, something to that effect. Now, or don't come to see the real you. I disagree and I'm going to prove it to you now. When did your numbers really start to increase on TikTok? When you were doing your videos? When I stopped or when you caring. Were... <laughs> well, when you yeah. were doing your lives, right?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was having too much fun. My readings, uh, my, my following... Went up readings. I think over the summer, everything just kind of stalls. But I was just having so much fun, and you have nothing else to lose. I love hitting rock bottom. I don't know about you. Failure is fun because you have nowhere to go but up. And I just started to have so much fun, and uh, everything kind of like literally exploded. Like it's, I mean, for me, I know it's a smallish page, but. For my numbers, I'd never seen anything like that. And I don't do it for the numbers either. I do it to connect with people. And the people who come are so loyal, like you, you know, they don't come once. They always come back. And that's, you actually get to build on those relationships. So those people, I feel, would like to see me. I want to know them. We all know each other. We know about each other's lives somewhat. But what I really meant was, um, I'm going to go into a bit of like uh, the, I think there's like a renaissance, a rebirth. I'm very thankful for spirituality and astrology in particular, and with, you know, and we're entering the age of information. So with that, there's equal amounts of misinformation, I suppose, and um, it's an unregulated profession. So you have to be very, very outstanding to an upstanding to, put out the best possible work. So, what I meant was people don't want to see me. I meant uh, people don't pay me money for reading for me to talk about myself for 40 minutes or give them anecdotes about my own life or something. I mean, I do always... If someone looks like they're suffering and I have something just like that in my chart, I'll tell them privately. It's not a problem. But I really mean there's so many people who will literally just say something completely... To me, it's like wild. They'll say, well, you know... Leo men can't be trusted because a boy in the sixth grade stepped on my new shoes and he was a Leo. It's like, who gave you the right to practice and like biased people. It's, it's crazy. So that's what I mean is like, um, you know, they might like to see me, but ultimately they're there for them. It's like an, it's like a doctor coming into your room when you need healing and seeing, seeing that your leg was ran over by a car and saying, that's nothing. I stubbed my toe when I was 12, one time on the coffee table. You're like, really not the place, not the time, sir, but thanks. Anyway, I guess.
0: Yes, exactly. And uh, that's why I come to your page. I know so many astrologers. I've had quite a few reach out to me. I've had four on the show uh, because I'm very picky about you guys. Uh, Because yes, they're dime a dozen for people who call themselves astrologer, but for the real people with the real personalities that integrate it in a way to where it's relatable, it's fun, it's amazingly interesting, uh, and uh, you can get something out of it still, That's why I reached out to you because of who you are. And every time I see one of your lives, I'm like, oh, my God, this (laughs) is going to be great. It it is very rare for me just to stop what I'm doing and catch a live or even a piece of it with yours. Every time I'm just like, oh, sweet. Monica's on. This is going to be dope. And it always is. So, yeah. So this is something I wanted to ask you as well in relation to the amount of folks that air quotes astrologers out there. So what is how do you view astrology?
1: Astrology to me. First of all, what it is is divine celestial bodies that I believe is real because gravity exists, beam down to the Earth, and we are also living beings. So, in in some traditions, you know, they believe they're gods. Planets are gods, so they're guiding you. I don't believe they happen to you, like nothing in astrology happens to you per se. There are things that are fixed, like I was born with brown hair. I have brown eyes, you know, I'm going to be this tall. My parents are X, Y, Z. Fine. But you always have room to exercise your own willpower. Therefore, it more like it reflects to you. It shows you what you're thinking and where you're at. So let's take the manifestation of a Saturn transit or Saturn placement. Most people fear Saturn and they think he's mean and all these things. He's challenging. You have to work hard. But without him, you can't do anything big and you can't do anything long lasting. He rules authority. You need him to influence people. He actually rules the masses, what we would lovingly call, you know, the 99% or as I've just come to accept, like people think of us as chumps, you know, but we are strong in numbers. So if Saturn is coming through and you know that and you're willful, you can get a promotion. You can become self-employed. You can step into your power. And you can reap the rewards of all of your efforts. If you feel like he's just going to wipe the floor with you, and you, like begets like. This is the law of the universe. Karma cannot be changed. So that's what you get. Saturn actually rules karma. so a great example for me. But um, that's astrology. So it's guidance. It's like a blueprint. It was It was given to us by a divine source to help us. But it's a tool. And a tool is useless if you don't use it. And a tool can be misused. I can take a hammer and make my room beautiful and hang up my pictures and my accolades, or I can club myself, which is not so great, you know, or chase around an innocent animal. That's also horrible. So it's really up to you. If you use it to say, oh, I'm a, I'm an Aries. I can't marry a Sagittarius because they're mean or something. It's like, why are you cutting the possibility for love out of your life? You know, but if you say, Hey, this shows me I'm most compatible with these types of people, But ultimately i'm gonna love who i love then great it opens your world up you know and so for me personally astrology is a tool for empowerment i think if you're wise or if you're willing and this makes me laugh because most people that come to an astrologer don't come when they're in a great period in their life they really need something you know and and you give it to them and it's a tool so you can use it to lift yourself up. So if you're a very practical person, I, I equate, like, astrology is my life. It's my lifestyle. There's days to pray, days to eat certain foods, things that you do, things that you say. And ultimately, you live. Um, the only thing more special to me than living on planet Earth, living on the planet, is living with the planet. Living with, you know collaboration and community and compassion for other human beings, animals, plants, the atmosphere, you know, having like sentience beyond just stuffing your favorite orifice in your mouth and like your pie hole and then going to sleep and waking up and just doing what you're told or being angsty, you know, just live with what's around you. And astrology helps a lot in that. Definitely, definitely very useful tool. And I always equate it to how the law functions, So I always give this example. For something to have value and to be true, it must be workable. It must be applicable and practical. If you went to court and you sat in a jury and the prison system didn't exist and there was no punitive measure and somebody was in there for causing harm to another and the judge said, well, the jury found you guilty, you are guilty. And the criminal stands up and goes, okay, well, I'm off to lunch and just skips out of the courtroom. You think, what was that all about? You didn't apply something. You didn't help your client. You just told them you have a blah, blah, and cancer. You cry a lot and you like food. Here's a hug. That doesn't help them. Look at the timing, look at their potential. So astrology, you can read about it all you want, but until you really start to figure out the nuances, how people can take advice, take some remedies, take action, it has, in my personal opinion, it has nothing more than entertainment value, which is valuable. You know, it could be entertained. But if you're looking to change your life, it has to be workable. You must be able to apply a set of rules or something or say, if you say to me, I'm not interested in remedies, but I want more money, get to it. I would say, all right, I'll find a window of time where you should put your money into and where and when, you know, but if you're willing to like Work with it, but you have to be willing to work as well because the planets are always working with us and so is nature, you know, so is the sun, but we have to accept that it's a relationship and work with it again, reciprocate.
0: Could not agree more. It's a fascinating way to put it, you know, and as you were describing uh, that you don't have to go with your astrology reading, uh, you have the choice to do all of that. Just something that popped into my mind would be like, yeah, you're born right-handed, but you choose to write with your left hand. So it's very, very difficult for you. So you tend to go... An analogy that just popped into mind was just that you go against your intrinsic nature, battling something rather than going with the flow of it, like pointing your feet downriver instead of swimming up the current, right?
1: Yes, I see you have a guitar there. And I always thought guitar was a fascinating example because strumming logically is much easier than anything your left hand would do if you're right handed, right? Yes. But because that's the way you're taught to play it, you just accept it. And it's like, yeah. And I remember my friend in guitar class, our guitar teacher was left-handed and she was left-handed. She begged him for a left-handed guitar. And he said, if you just learn it this way, it will make your life easier. And within like a month, she was schooling everybody. It's because if you're taught limitation, you will accept your limits. If you're not, then you won't. So when you come to me, I can say like, you know, this morning I said to this lady, um, you know, I don't mean to sound cold or something, but you are the way you are. You're very powerful and you're very apt financially. You're able to survive in the world, not because you're gifted, but because your early life was so hard and so horrible. And she said, yes. But I said, but isn't that a a blessing? Because once you're taught something, no one can take that from you, right? So if I teach you through your chart that you can't have XYZ, I've done you a horrible disservice. If I teach you that anything is, po- I open every reading, <laughs> if I remember, sometimes I get so hype, I forget to say my opening line, which is a quote by the famous uh, prophet Edgar Casey. He said, astrology is real, astrology is true, the planets do grab hold of us, but nothing is more powerful than the will of man. So if you exercise 10% of your will, you can change 100% of your life. But the most astrology will ever do for you is like between 50 and 70%. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not in the business of being mediocre. And I don't think anybody should be. We're all so unique. And the more you look at charts, the more you see these like nuances. And I've never had anyone come to me and say, I want to be aggressively average. Can you help me not shine? That's never happened. (laughs) Everybody wants the best from their life. So you have to help them just cross that threshold a little. You're just guiding them. I can't do it for you, you know, but I can, I can point you in the direction, but you have to walk that path.
0: Aggressively average. That's <laughs> one of the best two words together because that's what it feels like. People battle so hard and they're so aggressive to fight their greatness. That's yes. amazing.
1: Like you will not strip me of my mediocrity. I'm like, Oh, like me We should start spelling it like that. You know? And I thought, yeah. Why are you so afraid to be who you are? You know, and every, they'll say there's only one Lady Gaga and until John. I'm like, no one wants to be Elton John and Lady Gaga apart from Elton John and Lady Gaga. Your job is to be you, you know, so the more that you're in, you were talking about flow. If you're in the flow with your life, things just open up. Beautifully. And, and you're, there's a, there was a song from like the, I think the turn of the century, this uh, spiritual teacher, Florence Scovel Shin, the author of the song. So she's a spiritual teacher, but she knew this, this man, she quoted him in her book. He said, he wrote a, a song called I'm tickled to death that I'm me. Everybody should be tickled to death that they are who they are. You know, it's just the most wonderful thing.
0: I agree with that. There's uh, a great saying by a good friend of mine, uh, Heather Thomas, who came on the show a while back and she was talking about that, um, you know, if like time doesn't exist and we're all unity consciousness and everything has already happened and all of that good stuff, then following that model, the reason that you're conscious in the state that you are in right now, which is who you are right now, is because this is your favorite lifetime. And that just struck me so hard. that Because it's, okay, no matter what goes on in this life, no matter what you face, no matter what your challenges are, you are an infinite being of light, an infinite possibility. You could be any other infinite version of yourself right now, but your consciousness and you are tuned to this experience that you're having. Therefore, If you, you know, it's like that Jay-Z thing. You could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with me. And that's how it feels, you know? And I just take that as something that is so comforting in like the most challenging times where you just say, you know what? Out of all the other lifetimes, the grass is not greener. You've done them all. You've lived them all. In some sense, you're living them all right now, but... Your consciousness is focused in this one. And that means you've done all of them. It's your favorite movie. You put this one into play whenever it's your go-to, right?
1: Yeah, it's it has something you still want. So even if you're living at home with your parents and you make $8 an hour and nobody will call you back and you don't have a car and your skateboard is just missing a wheel or something, there's still something in that reality that intrigues you. And if you think, but nothing's going right, I then my default setting is to think, well, then... Don't you see you're a problem solver you will take pleasure figuring that out but if you watch other people and how life works out for them you will never like your own life that's just matter of fact but you're right it's like your favorite movie you want to you want to be there
0: yeah that's how uh, that's when she put it that way it just it changed my perception about everything and there are little nuggets of gold like that and you've given me a couple of those actually aggressively average i will never forget that <laughs> i uh that that's really deep and i appreciate that one so thank you so uh, I'd like to talk, if you don't mind, one of the topics that you covered on a YouTube video that I saw was sex uh, sex and spirituality. Mm. So also to that was remote seduction. So one of the mm. interesting things is right when I heard remote seduction, I uh, again just got the image of uh, Lloyd Christmas in Dumb and Dumber. Remember when he's at the bar and he's like, I'm just going to go to the bar and put out the vibe and he like sticks his ass out. Yeah, so is yeah, that yeah. what remote seduction is basically? Or what is, what is your definition yes. of that?
1: Okay. So... <clears throat> Sex and the Spiritual Path was a book by Dr. Herbert Perrier, or is a book rather. And he was a, a great, you know, very, very well-versed man in the Edgar Casey readings. And so it's more to do with the use of one's creative energy our sexual energy, our creative life force. So creative forces are synonymous with sex because sex makes life, but it can be used for anything. So when he says the misuse of sexual energy, it can mean promiscuity. Or you know, sex that isn't healthy, sex that's aggressive, that's vengeful, sex that's uh, procured out of neediness or loneliness. But it's not limited to sex. It's negative thoughts, it's thoughts that work against yourself, you know, self-deprecating humor and things like that, and emotion that's spent. You hemorrhage energy. So in essence, remote seduction is channeling your energy and not hemorrhaging it. I use the word hemorrhage because let's say that somebody is lovesick. They think about the person they want constantly. They are outsourcing their power. And this is why when you stop caring and you bring it back in, that person now has you on their mind because you've sort of, you've bombarded an auric field with you. And when you pull back, they're able to finally see it like clouds parting on a rainy day. So with remote seduction, you channel your energy with distinction. You're you're precise and you know what you want. You're determined. And what you will do then is, firstly, I have to say, whether it's Edgar Cayce, but Neville Goddard and jo- Dr. Joseph Murphy do the best job of this. You know, the, I have some videos on the power of the subconscious mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy, where he reiterates there is only one mind. There is only one God mind. There's only one source of life. And I, I love theology, so I always say, you know, I make fun of people who, who um, maybe their, their sects or something like that are really based upon, instead of living a good life and being pious... Piety is measured through the fighting off of the the enemy or the devil. And I think they're like, um, it's the opposite of God. And I'm like, you you must have misused your morning supplements because God has no opposite. God made that too. You know, everything is underneath God. So basically when you are, there's only one source of life. So it means there's only one source of consciousness and it all like tentacles. It just spreads out like the roots of a tree. So if you want someone to notice you, you just have to send the signal to the other nerve ending. You don't have to stand outside of their house with a stereo though. I have no objection. I think it's cute, you know. but that's all you do. So you discipline the mind. So the first thing is to obviously believe it. And then in remote seduction, what you will do is enter into a calm, quiet state. So as your friend was saying earlier, Heather Thomas, you said, you know, you choose the reality, you choose the timeline. To choose and to experience, you must be in a state of relaxation. This is why people who want money, want lottery, want, 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 they just get more of wanting. They're not relaxed. You know, the wanting is done. You never have to pray for money if you grew up poor. You just know you want it. (laughs) You know, it sucks not to have new things or have your birthday celebrated. So you enter into a relaxed state. And this is the first thing I will say. And I'm currently uh, going through the teachings of Jose Silva, who created the Silva method that's still in circulation today. The work is carried on by his widow and his children, his daughters. And these are master remote workers. They are incredible. I had a Reiki healer for a few years who was certified by them. I met her once and every reading she did for me after that, was remote. Literally I was on another continent or I was on the other side of the city, other side of the country. And they can like go into your body and feel what's wrong with you and tell you things, but they can only do it because they've trained themselves to relax. Every human being can do this. Animals are especially adept. You know, they're, they're energy balancers. And I always say, like, um, I, I use the quote by Eckhart Tolle, who said, I've lived with several Zen masters and all of them have been cats. So I call my cat Zen Master Flex because he's so mean. It teaches me independence and autonomy. It teaches me, you know, to be left alone and to leave him alone. And we have a really good relationship. So you have to relax. Cats sleep for a reason. You know, they're, they're incredibly powerful. Relax. When you're in your relaxed state, I will give the advice, know what you want before you enter it. Because once you start daydreaming, your thoughts can just take off for like an hour. Say you wanted to get a phone call from a place you applied for a job. okay? Before you enter the state, maybe take a piece of paper and just say, they will call me by Thursday and offer me 5,000 more than what I wanted, or call me for an interview, whatever the case may be. When you're in that state, this is the difference between visualization and imagination, And I suppose it doesn't make a difference because if you feel like a winner, you're going to win. But to visualize is in essence to like have recall of a place that you've been to and you can flesh it out with details, but your imagination isn't limited. See, if I've never, if I've never been to Mongolia, I have an imagination. I can pretend I know what it's like and it will take me there. Now imagine that that thing is happening. So in remote seduction, that's all you do. You relax and you start to call out in essence, You create a scene in your mind that that person is interested in you and they're going to give to you what you want. Now, I left this out of the YouTube video because I was a little bit afraid that people would get ahead. But if you're actually trying to seduce a person, a job, a financial circumstance, the best thing you can do, and I promise it's not unethical (laughs) because energy is always going to find one another, so is to imagine that they are sort of um, at your mercy. Now they're not crying and they're not in pain, but you can imagine that you're stunning them with so much pleasure and romance that they are just walking around in an orgasmic force field, okay? Or the bank wants to do business with you. You know, that partner wants business with you. You're what they want. You're so magnetic that they cannot release themselves from your grip. You've spellbound them effectively. So you get into that state, you imagine that over and over. The longer you can keep it, the better. Okay. Just the same four or five seconds. And then you come out of relaxation. So this is best done just before you fall asleep. Cause naturally you'll be very relaxed when you're sleeping. And then when you wake up, you forget all about it. You don't have to do a thing. It's effectively done. Once it's reached, you know, God mind, it's already finished. You just have to let it in. And the only thing you do to let it in is relax. So it's three steps, relax, think of what you want, And relax again, and that's all you do to remote seduce someone. Now, if you're like, you know, a little bit eccentric or something, you can get really creative if you're trying to seduce a lover, even if you've not met them before. It doesn't matter, you know. You can just let your mind run wild and think of all the ways that they would adore you or something. And but you will get what you want no matter what.
0: So interesting. Um, What is the name of your cat again?
1: Oh, his name is Love Tolstoy. Like the love means lion in Russian, but we call him Malinki because it means like little one.
0: Was it Grandmaster Lewinkey? was it?
1: Grandmaster Flex. <laughs> okay. Grandmaster <laughs> like Grandmaster. <Flex.
0: laughs> I was thinking, uh, your next one, Tupac Shapur, maybe uh, another <gasps> one for you there.
1: Yeah, I didn't think of that. That's okay. Yeah. That, one,
0: that one's on the house. You can have it. So um, I am curious because we talk a lot about uh, energies here. So how do energies complement one another? There is, seems to be this dualistic, dualistic universe here, this reality in which they're opposing energies. So how do they complement? How do they interact?
1: In general, you mean like in, in, with, with relationships and people or just everything? And everything is the same, really. With, you attract what you are. You attract what you are. You can really want, and you see this a lot in um, romance, especially when I do romance readings or something. People really want love, and they have a lot of love to give but they attract people who abuse their good nature or they don't want anything to do with them. And they say, I don't understand. We both live in the same city. We went to the same school. We're interested in golf. Why don't you want me? And it's like, you're not attracting a lover because you're thinking of love you're attracting loneliness. And like Neville Goddard says, the worst thing you can do is look for a partner because those, he says, those who go seeking for love only make manifest their own lovelessness. So all energy and energy is also another thing are really, really complex and like multidimensional, okay? So you're married, you know your wife very well. She knows you very well. You can be so similar 80% of the time, but you will never find someone who's 100% like you, but you can appreciate the other 20%. And that way you just maximize the joy factor of being near each other. So I think when I think about energies and um, how they flow, how they work, they're always going to what's most akin to them. And this is a very good example is bullies. And a victim will say, "I didn't want that to happen to me." right. But you have no power. And every bully has been hurt. Hurt people, hurt people, okay? Like we know. So um you match up with them. You match up with them. You know? A person who's paranoid about someone uh, misusing their financial situation is going to uh, if they don't attract someone who does that, will abuse their own financial situation. <laughs> you know? So it's just the way that it is, and it's almost like there's no escape. But if you become aware and conscious, of why you want the things you want, why you feel the way you feel, then you will free yourself. And then better things will come to you.
0: I, I love this. And the example you used about that victims and bullies need each other because it's complementary energies, you're absolutely right. Somebody, a bully needs to victimize someone and someone needs to feel victimized. And so, yes, it's a perfect structure that's here, that's hand in hand. And then when you just choose not not to experience that, you don't. Now it's something interesting to what you said was. Is it seems like that opposite is here. It's, it's again, in having to do with this dualistic universe. So whenever one, let's say, starts to manifest or starts to raise their vibration, this is how you see things pop up in your life that don't resonate with you anymore. So if like attracts like, based on the energetic model that we've been talking about, and I 100% agree with you, what is the deal with acceleration in vibration and not being stuck attracting energies that no longer match to you or that oppose your upward direction. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. I, okay. So uh, a teacher that I really love is Daryl Anka who channels Bashar. Oh yeah. And he has this thing he calls it's the echo. So uh, my friend one time, so my friend, uh, love her. She started to give meditation a chance and everything like all hell breaks loose, you know? And she said, but how can that happen? It's supposed to be good. And the teacher said, look, I have a glass of water. If the bottom is filled with dirt and you start pouring water on the top, it's going to cause it to come to the surface. It's like you're cleaning out your purging. So that is one phenomenon that I've seen happen to people that when they actually relax because their vibration was so resistant and their thoughts were in such a they, it's like you like they say, well, the, mind, the eyes can't see when the mind is blind, but they don't get it like they were in such a rigid mentality that they're like, OK, I'm doing this to make me feel better. And I said, yes, it's like you're finishing elementary school, but you're not going to start your Ph.D. program. You have to go to middle school. You have to go to high school. You know, they, they expect like some quantum leap that can cause some residual things. But that's the key. It's residual. It's, everything is only for a while, okay? It's not forever. The other thing, the echo that Bashar was talking about is that it's a residual thing. So what happens is when you level up energetically, things that used to bother you, every thought that's ever been thought exists. So it's still there. And even though I say this is the problem, if you've raised up here, well, you're not way above the problem. It will still kind of like me in your ear, you know, but here's the real test. If it doesn't bother you, it will never bother you again, because it's not that it goes away. It's that you just can't perceive it. It just doesn't bug you. You can have a neighbor who leaves snarky notes on your car and if you just don't care about it and they're like, they're all talk and they're so annoying, or maybe you've called the cops and they've said, this is just a person who's a bit of like a curmudgeon or something. Then you just don't care. And then those notes stop coming. And if they don't stop coming, you don't care. So what difference does it make? So that's the echo. The problem persists so long as you perceive it and emotionally react to it. You have control over your emotions. So if something happens and you don't feel despair, it just will not happen again. Or if it happens, it'll bring you joy. you know. I, and I mean, like a really good example, I'm going to take a very sacred topic, which isn't something to be discussed lightly, but it's true. You will see in your life equal reactions to the blessing of a child. Pregnancy caused people to feel elation. And even if you're married and you have money and you're happy and you have two, three kids, when that fourth pregnancy test comes along, the wife and the husband are like, Bleh. you know, it's like, we'll have it, but we don't really want to have, you know, <laughs> it really depends on how you look at it. And I'm not judging, but I'm saying that's the echo. That's the echo. So if you have control over your feelings, then that experience with that child will be marvelous. And if you don't, you're marinating them in, in a sense of unwantedness, but you marinate yourself. Everything is like in a cocoon. All, the, all your desires are like in gestation. So if, if you said, you know, how can these things be happening? If your vibration has raised, it has raised and precisely because it's raised, you now are in a much more advantageous place in your life where you don't need to react to those things like you used to. And if you take stock of that and you say, oh yeah, you know that a year ago, that would make me cry. Now I think it's silly and it's kind of amusing or it's just whatever. It's just, you, just, you just ignore the text or whatever the case may be. Then you continue to go to level up, right? So that's it.
0: Yeah, it's disattachment from any emotion that attempts to get your energy, to suck your louche, as we say. You know, uh, <laughs> your your energy here is all you got, right? Your your attention is your currency. Now, um, yes. something that's also very, very interesting to me is like the the nature of people's experiences when it comes to the resistance, which is what you were just talking about. Stephen Pressfield wrote a great book about it, The War of Art, and it is uh, one of those books that really does mimic this echo um, concept. Now, something silly that came up to exactly what you were talking about about an echo like this, and exactly having to do with pregnancy, is the people who get a vasectomy. I've heard of men doing this; they get a vasectomy, and they're like so excited. They're like, "Yes, we're done. We're not having any more kids." There's a certain amount of time within there to where uh, you need to expel a certain number of times before you can consider yourself not a fertile turtle, if that makes sense. Now, some people will ignore that time or they'll get very excited or they think that they've put in the work. They'll go put in work and then actually get their wife pregnant again, even though they've already gone through the procedure and gotten the vasectomy. There's an echo of something you still need to clear in there. Mm -hmm. This, this is what it seems like. And again, it's this as above, so below thing. So, so there are examples of these concepts that we talk about in actual life. And this is just another one of them. Mm-hmm. So um, what is a way that someone can help recognize these echoes as they pop, as they ascend in their vibration in your experience or in your opinion?
1: By the way that they feel. So if you're having a really good day. Okay. So um, if you're having a really good day and you're looking for love and you're excited, spring is here. You've got spring fever. And then your ex texts you, or you see them in a parking lot and you want to like run into them with your vehicle, or so you know, you're like, that's that doesn't feel good to you. And the first, you know, default setting that you would have is you would think, but I was feeling so good, and I was listening to, you know, do tunes, you know, I was listening to the four tops. I was feeling in the mood for love. Why did I see the last, like the most unlovable person, in my opinion? It's because that's the most recent point of reference you have. And you take that personally. And so now you're not going to go talk to them. So you're going to take it personally with the universe, God, Jesus, every Dalai Lama, every every, you know, but just calm down. It doesn't feel good to you. It's not. And this is the thing we have, I think, as people, We have a tendency to think of existence as our parent. You know, we have this very unhealthy tendency to externalize our power. Why do I have to think of that? The government tells me what to do. The government will do it. The government, the government, okay? And, you know, govern. So planets govern, God governs, your boss governs, your parents. So you're gonna just feel like victimized, but it's not there to punish you. It's there to tell you, you know what? Don't take it personally. And if you're like, it's just, if even though we say there's no such thing as a coincidence, if it makes you feel better to think of it as a freak, (laughs) freak occurrence, then do that. Say, I just saw the person I can't stand the most. And the time when I wanted something so good, I'm not letting you ruin my mood. And that's it. You just have that discourse with yourself because truthfully, the greatest love affair you're going to have in your life is you and you, you know, and you take you with you wherever you go. And even if like Elon succeeds in colonizing Mars, well, he's taking himself up there. So <laughs> you can't escape yourself. You must make peace with your heart. And once like what you were mentioning earlier, like the backlog. So there's a Buddhist thing about cleaning out the back of the heart. There's stuff in there from when you were six years old, you don't remember, you know, there's a friend. I was talking to a friend last night and I said, you know, this person said they would do this and they didn't. And I meditated. I asked why that really hurt my feelings because they have their own thing going on. They don't really know. I don't know your life, you know, whatever. And I said, it reminded me of when I was 17 and my boyfriend said he would do this. And instead he didn't. And And I said, "That that was so long ago that it doesn't matter. You know, your body does remember. So I suppose it's like you just, you will know it by the way that it feels. And it's really ultimately about your relationship to your life. Because I think the older you get, you've collected so much experience that you think that your neighbor's yippee dog is driving you crazy. But really, maybe as a child, you weren't given enough time for yourself or your privacy was like infringed upon. And so you just you lack a sense of empowerment and, and autonomy. You know, and to tell someone, oh, it's not the dog. The dog's just letting you know that you don't value your own space or you don't value your own boundaries, but you're taking it out on the dog. And they're going to think that now you're horrible and it feels even worse. But really just talk to yourself, talk to your emotions, find out why.
0: It's so interesting. And you're absolutely right. I, I agree with everything that you're talking about. Um, so let's let's get into the occult. I know that you you kind of have a passion for that. So what got you into the occult to begin with?
1: Okay. So I suppose a bit backwards, but when I was a teenager, so I started with astrology and then I got into religion. I just love the idea of, I've always had the feeling that I was going to live to serve. I always had the feeling that um, my path in life was a cause. It's something to give of myself. So everyone has a thing. It's kids or marriages or money or, or whatever. So mine is like the self. I love life. I want to know everything and what made it. And so I got into religion first and it was just sort of, I never, it sounds so mean, but like, I couldn't bring myself to believe so much of it. And I not in a condescending way, like people say really condescending stuff about major religions. And I think it's almost like art. And truthfully, if you want to be good at anything in life, no one's going to spoon feed you anything. You can have the best coach as a gymnast. But he's not competing on the day of the Olympics. You are. You have to figure it out what to do. You know, I mean, there was a Carrie. What's her name? The one in the 90s who like who won the goal for the States on like a broken ankle or something. So you've got to do the work. You know, she's famous. You know, she's a tiny thing anyway. And I thought you've got you cannot be spoon fed. And I always felt something was missing in that. And what was missing was that it was allegorical. It wasn't spoon feeding you. You have to figure it out. So once you start there, there's, I mean, there's, I'm an obsessive personality anyway. There's no reason to stop. So I never stopped. So I started with religion and I sort of went (laughs) down into the darkness and I just realized really, it just means hidden knowledge and everything in the world. I suppose astrology really helps with that is a symbol or a sound. That's it. You know, it's a vibration and it's something that you, even the alphabet, you, you pair symbols together and make sense of things it's so silly when you think about it and it's so primitive to communicate in such a manner when you have energy at your disposal but that's how it began and then it just i mean when i was like 13 someone told me about david ike and i was like cool you know and it's just like once you begin there's you can't go back from what you now know you cannot shrink to your previous state of knowledge. And it just gets, goes deeper and deeper and deeper, deeper practices start with meditation. I adore, you know, giants like Abraham Hicks. I'm so grateful to be alive. You're talking about timelines. I could cry of happiness thinking that I'm alive at the same time as some of these people like Daryl Anka, you know, and and then we have recordings from some of my favorite teachers who are theologians like Reverend Ike. I love him. I love him so much. Uh, Neville Goddard was a very, you know, well-read man and i mentioned joseph murphy and women you know i mentioned florence scoble shin there's even like women who are de- like barbara deangelis who does uh, work on relationships you know and um who did, she married, She was married to the man who wrote uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. She was married like four times or something. <laughs> I think she's on her fifth marriage. So I think there's so many amazing people doing amazing things in, in our day and age. Like I, I'm really into Paul McKenna and Dr. Brian Weiss for hypnosis. And when you start to understand how much energy is at your disposal, the mysteries of the world are not a mystery anymore and nothing ever was. And the biggest lie people like you and I have been told as children is that magic isn't real. It's really all there is. That's it.
0: Yeah, 100%. I, I love this, and I love that that is an element in which you view the world through. So uh, what's your favorite David, David Icke, um, I guess, idea?
1: Idea, ideology, is when he says, uh, humanity, get off your knees. Yes. Get off your knees. Why are you so keen to allow something that you don't know anything about to dictate something to you and he's a man of great intent. of course i've looked at his birth chart I i have a youtube video on conspiracy theorists i did all men i think i want to do all women next but the idea that i believe in god like i believe i pray i'm a praying woman um and i think it loves you like your parents love you it's not here to dictate to you how to live like a chump And I see, like, sometimes I look at my life and I'm like, look at all the rules I follow. And I'm not any closer to where I want to be. Why don't I just get a foam finger with like number one chump and I get to like wave it in the mirror and stamp it on my forehead and sit on the chump bench with the other chumps, you know? And it's like, what? That's not why you made me. This is silly. And no parent would treat their child like that. Like you wouldn't leash your kid and keep them there. You want them to be in the world, to guide them. Parents, all you can do is guide your child. You hope to God, they listen to some values or some legacy that you have to bestow upon them, a nugget of wisdom, and they go forth and they live their life. And hopefully they come back or they make you proud or some such thing. It's absolutely no different. Just as I, and when I was a child, I said, I remember, I almost got in really big trouble, but I said, um, they said, you know, you have to be God-fearing. And I said, okay but does my dad love me? They were like, yes. And does my mom love me? He said, yes. I said, well, my parents love me and they've never hurt me. They've never put a hand on me, nothing. you know. And I said, so if I made a mistake, they wouldn't be angry. And I am them, right? I have their genes. So I, spiritually, we have our maker's DNA, okay? So why would the thing that make you make you to cause suffering and harm and punish you? It's completely illogical. It made you to enjoy you because it loves you. And now you've been tasked with, you said, raising your vibration. I would say, yeah, to raise yourself to the level of the of our creators, uh, to be in its company, to live where the high vibration is, to attract. Just And every time you think that, you know, and like David Icke does really speak about that. He's like, he's a person who likes empowerment. People who come to see him are curious and they're empowered or they want to be free. Like we're freedom seeking missiles, whether you know it or not. Like I always say no one likes being told what to do. And then, like, you know, the freaky people who have kinks will be like, actually, I'm like, not the time, not the place. This is a children's (laughs) app. You know, (laughs) like we're talking about like ultimately in life, you don't want your landlord raising your rent without telling you. You don't want someone just bullying you. You don't want that. You want to have dominion over your existence. And that's my favorite ideology of his. It's like, hey, he he wants to do it in this way, but there I do it on, on a micro level, you know, I do it one chart at a time, one person at a time, 15 minutes at a time, one hour at a time. And I always say, please take the best and leave the rest. Just take the best and leave the rest. If you, if you can do one remedy instead of three this month, that's better than nothing. You've improved your life, right? So freedom for me is like everything. It's the, it's the reason why I'm into these things. And I, I never, like I said earlier, not only that I not believe ideologies, I didn't believe the world. Like I didn't like Disney as a child. I thought it was sick. I'm like, what's sick bastard shoots a doe in front of its baby.
0: <laughs> yes. I had to be pulled out of movies as a kid for crying, screaming, crying. And so my mom just stopped taking me to those movies like land before time, Benji, all that stuff. I can't do it. And so I was right there with you. I called bullshit on Disney as a child. So asking the kind of intuitive questions that you were asking, hang on, well, God wouldn't do this because we're part of God and my parents wouldn't. It's that kind of stuff that the church is just like, huh? Uh, yeah, we're not going to mess with you. We're just go talk to, you know, the 90% of people who don't ask questions like that. We can get mm. to them pretty early. But mm. I think that that amount of people and that number of uh indoctrinated bull is is switching rapidly. I think that more kids are asking those kinds of questions. And which yes. is very interesting because it's like you and I kind of did this. We transcend the lessons of our parents and they want the best for us. And I get that, but they were also raised by parents who were in the dark. Our parents were in the dark. And it seems like what we are here to do is illuminate this area at, sometimes the cost of our own sanity for a bit of time but then it seems to reward itself in the fact that you now that it, exactly to what you said that now that you have this knowledge you can't unlearn it i've used the metaphor of ascending a treehouse with trapdoors each time you get to a new level the trapdoor closes behind you a new level of awareness but there's no handle on the inside you can't go back down you're just steady as she goes keep going up yes so it's these ideas that uh weave into the fabric of that we are in this great you know uh, switch this great awakening type of a thing and so this is what's so exciting to me it feels like that that me and you probably are one of the last generations born with parents born in the dark like deliberately in the dark and I think that now the you know the cabal is more ridiculous than ever the veil is thinner than ever the stuff is way more obvious than ever and then there are way more intuitive people coming along at this time this is that like third wave that um, Dolores Cannon talks about you know what, what do you think? I mean, that that's kind of how I see it, uh, is that now this generation of people having kids and raising kids is going to be the next generation of people that just call bullshit on all the structures.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And astrology definitely shows that a huge restructuring, but it also gives a warning. The warning is this. So I believe, yes, I'm like you. I think, you know, we're doing, we do, we do a little better each time you know, with every baby being what well, we're doing a little better each time. And I'm thankful for that. And people who, you know, regardless, yeah, age and generation, of course, and waves has a lot to do with that. But regardless of all of that, the people who know better have to be like the guardians of everyone else. You have to help them. You know, God helps us help themselves. Not saying you stand around with a giant you know, like billboard that's like, I don't know, meditation saves or something. You just, have to, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you just have to like hope that if you work in, you know, have use. Okay. Like Disney, people who make cartoons for enlightenment, people who, you know, it's an amazing one is, um, the last airbender. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen it? Mm-hmm. How yeah. Ong finds a teacher and he explains the chakra system in like two minutes or seven minutes. Okay. So there can be entertainment for children. That's actually useful. There can be. Uh, newer ways of doing things like Montessori schools, homeschooling, interactive schools where you're in nature and, and all this stuff. Okay. Excuse me. We can do better. And so we can facilitate that. And the veil is thin, but the thing is this as at the same time, like I use astrology for empowerment, but I do not disregard its warnings. And the warning is this, because we're moving out of Capricorn into Aquarius. Okay. Capricorn is very Rigid and it has to do with like institutions and hierarchies. So it's the dark side of Saturn, which is karma, um, you know, banks, school. Like when we had um, originally Pluto and Capricorn, the world saw things like the welfare system, education system come in, you know, like the Industrial Revolution occurred. So we're moving into an age of information, as we were saying, but there's always, we were talking about residuals and echoes. And so in a recent video I did, I said, you know, be weary of tech overlords because not everything is here to free you. Everyone's here to make fast money. So not everyone, but you know what I mean? So what's the point of having the idea of liberation? If it's if it's not free, it's just rebranded and repackaged to you. So let's take a startup for an example. If you leave, you know, like my corporate slave driving role, I'm going to work at a startup. I'm going to do something that matters. And you get there and your boss is like equally oppressive and horrible, but they've packaged it as this is the future. This is something new. You get to make your own out. You get perks. Yeah, you get perks because your hair is falling out and you just finished university because you're so stressed, you know? Um, sorry. I,
0: I, no, I, I heard this about like Google and other places from an insider, like somebody who worked there. Like the re, like everybody, they aver, they're advertised as perks. Hey, you get to take the bus. Hey, you get to take your dog to work. Hey, we'll provide you meals. But dinner for their free meals isn't until six o'clock at night. So you actually stay two hours after- you're supposed to have left to get your free meal, which is one of the perks. But it's it's packaged in a way to where, yes, it is like an incentive. But really, it's a mm. way for them to keep you there longer. You can bring your dog to work so that you don't have to go home to take care of it. Uh, yeah, you can nice. have buses so that you don't have car trouble to as an excuse oh, yeah. to not go. You get late meals so you can just fill in that time with extra work. Yes. I completely... And bring your
1: children. They have daycare centers. Exactly. Why, why would you raise them at home? This is, this is your home now. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like when you, uh, in those movies, when a inmate is incarcerated and he's just got like a little blanket and a toothbrush and someone just slams the pring and they just turn around and they've got like this blank look on their eyes. It's like, welcome to your first day of work. You're never going to leave. And you're like, okay, you know, it's like, what's the point of making all this money? You have no time to spend it or enjoy it. But it's literally, it's, that's exactly what's happening now is that people have come forth and said, I'm in people. I'm not miserable with the state of the world. Okay. We have some wonderful innovations that make life comfortable and convenient. And it is helping a lot of people that need it. But if you take the same blueprint for how to run it, it's a corporation and it's completely insane and it's not helping anyone at the end of the day. Okay. You're just repurposing it. And it's like same, you know what different pile. And I'm like, then what's the point of that? So it does take a few people who want to do something truly out of the box and have, I said, like a purpose. Okay. So they know they will suffer for some time financially, but at the end, if they've done something that helps others, they're willing to do it. So the other thing too, is, um, so you were talking about the veil being thin. And so this is a transitionary period. So that's the warning I wanted to mention. So don't, so for example, let's say people are like working remote is amazing. You're free. Now you work from home. You can go anywhere in the world. That's true. And, you know, on TikTok, you see a lot of people having this nomadic lifestyle. Most people don't want that. If you're like 45 with an eight-year-old, you want to get out of the house. <laughs> so you've, you've repackaged what freedom is and spoon fed it to them. And they didn't want it. They didn't want it. They don't want their kid at home on, on the laptop. Like, you know, some people I know with kids, their kids literally can't write. They can't write. And they're in the third grade because they spent two years on their computer. They can type. They can play roblox they can't write a sentence <laughs> you know they can read it they can't write it and so they're like borderline illiterate because they told you hey isn't it great you get to be in your pajamas why are you glamorizing being a slob like i'm not judging but nobody wants the same thing all the time people who like to socialize don't want to do it all the time people who are introverts need some reprieve from something sometimes but you see it's like you're constantly bombarded with the same, and at this point, like, I'm not even angry or scared. I'm just bored. I'm bored because if you even go through like five years of human history, you can predict the next 50, if this is the track that we're on. So we have to like, just sort of become a little bit wiser. Like you said, like kids are being born now that are not going to buy it, but they need somebody older who will stand up for them until they're old enough to take care of business and say, I'll look out on this end. And when you turn 18 or 28, or when you come into your power, whatever, I I've laid the foundation. I'm going to help you in any way I can. Like, don't worry. Like you, you, like, it's like a soldier on the front lines. you get the brunt of the cannonballs and the bullets and the bayonets. So the back cavalry has a chance, you know? So it's like, we have to help them. Like they really, they're really here to do something spectacular. And we definitely have to try because if, uh, history repeats itself, then (laughs) human beings really, um, they have an appetite for the nostalgic and for repetition. And at this point it's just so destructive and it's so boring and we can do so much better. Let's do that. Let's level up.
0: I love boring. I like that. That's it because it's not a fear-based thing. It's not like a, it's, it's just a mild annoyance due to just cause it's, it's unentertaining. Like that's fun to me that you take this huge <laughs> uh, fearful, you know, agenda and you just say, Oh, so boring. I'm yeah. bored.
1: I'm bored stiff. And they're bored. like, look what's happening. It's terrible but we're going to make it better. I'm like, first of all, you don't know my life. i was like, no, you won't. You know, like, Don't dictate to people what they should be fearful of. Don't dictate to people what they need. Don't dictate. And even, you know, like crypto is a great example. Crypto has come to free us all. And guess who got wind of it? People with money and banks. And now they're ba- buying it up and now we can't afford it. It's like, it's kind of, it's funny to me. I'm just like, uh, at the end of the day, um, actually yesterday I was talking to uh, my hairdresser and she said, You know, your generation has no trust, none. When my children were growing up, and that's another thing I want to say for parents everywhere whose children had to be remote for like two, like here we've had, I think, one of the longest lockdowns in the world. um, She said, my children would just go out. They'd say, I'm at the neighbors or I'm with this person down the street. And you would just see them when the streetlights came on and you could get things done. And your generation can't do that. You have to like have them in your orb like you can't trust people anymore and i thought yeah it's true like growing up my parents they had hard lives but they were nowhere nowhere near as stressed by the chronic assault of constant tedium it's like the mundane can just like break you because you know your child or your responsibilities are constantly there when i was growing up as soon as the sun was up and i had my breakfast Ciao. I might come back for a PB and J. I'll see you for dinner. You had the whole day to yourself as a mom or a dad. You could run errands. If the kid got locked out, they knew how to like shimmy a, a window and bust into. It. I've done that tons of times, you know. But and you could just have kids over. They, they were somewhere, and we didn't have cell phones back then. And I actually remember being in high school, and cell phones were sort of start. either you know, they were like coming out. You were like being drip drip fed the phenomenon of owning a cell phone. And everyone and all the commercials used to say, stay connected. And it was always like a six-year-old being like, Grampy, me, like calling some old, you know, and they were like, it's, they can stay in touch. You don't have to wait for the summertime to see them. You don't have to, you know, bother with how hard everything is. Like it was never hard. What do you mean? And now that we all have cell phones, we've regressed. You don't call your grandparents every week. Because you're so accessible, it's like counterintuitive, and I thought that too. I thought no one's going to stay in touch because if they can have access to you all of the time, there's a little remote viewing and remote seduction principle. If if you're over accessible to somebody, they will not desire you. It's like asking me to point out where this, what part of the sky I'm looking at. It's like the sky is a sky; it's it's everywhere. But if you single out a star or like a cloud that looks like a bunny, I can you know distinguish it because it has contrast. So it's like. Now we have phones, we have uh, people who are constantly in contact with others, and so much communication, and so much of it, absolute dribble. It's dribble, it's nothing. It's like no thought, <laughs> no substance. Run a meeting on this, do that, do that. It's like you're in communication with other people, but you don't really know them, and, and you've become desensitized. At the end of the day, you're so fried. You don't want to be spoken to. You don't want to be touched. You don't even want to be heard. You don't want to be perceived. You just want to disappear into yourself. It's too much. So this is, this is the fear that I have. Well, not really fear, but of being told what to do, being told that it's good for me, which is insane because there's only, only I really know what I need. And I mean, if, you, if you're a woman and you've gone to the doctor, you really know how much a professional can completely uh, not care or understand what your needs are either. And then socially, socially, like spiritually is obvious, but the social narrative, how we communicate is so out of touch now. You know, no one wants to spend time together. They're tired all the time. And we are really at a place where people are scared to be close to one another. Okay. It's so messed up. So this has to be left behind this idea that somebody who, I'm not going to be shady, but like, let's say somebody who works in politics but never had a real job a day in their life but they won a popularity contest and they mysteriously had the money to run for that you know is gonna tell you because you're a silly little dum-dum like how to sit down and where to sit and how to put a napkin over your lap and eat like a civilized person like who are you to say anything to someone that has to be left that has to go but in all things okay spiritually no fear There's no fear here. Truly. It's, it's, you know, they say false evidence appearing real. It's so true. It's all in your head. You have to think for yourself, speak for yourself. And then you asked about conspiracy. So I'll just end with this. I do have a little video on YouTube. I made about a year ago on this spiritual, like raising the vibration and being a conspiracy theorist are not always compatible because so many conspiracies uh, run on fear, disguised as freedom But if you don't feel free, if you feel frightened, then you're not free. And what is true ultimately is a mystery because what's true for one person isn't true. Even conspiracy theorists don't agree. Experts don't agree. Doctors in the same field don't agree. Lawyers in the same field don't agree. So and then you don't know how much of it has been planted and just you can take the information if it interests you. You can listen to it if you're curious. But once your mood starts to tip, you've got to get out of there. You've got to log off and close your laptop. Okay. You've got to keep raising the vibration and that's it all there is
0: to it. Could not agree more. And we talk about this a lot. I used to be an avid conspiracy theorist, uh, Paul revering around, you've got to see this video, wake up, they're screwing you over, they're trying to kill us all, all that good stuff, or um, successfully doing so. Uh, and eventually you get to this point where exactly like you said, it's a toxic environment for you to exist in, even though you're out there doing your damnedest with a good heart and good intentions to wake people up, you still got to take You've still got to basically like stab yourself with a bunch of swords and then walk around and tell people how much it hurts. It You don't have to take that on. And so I've uh, gotten way more aligned with uh, Charlie Robinson's uh, vernacular for this, and he calls us a conspiracy analyst. Like, yeah, we'll look at it, but I'm not going to take on the negative energy of it because that's part of why the conspiracy exists in the first place is to attract and draw in energy into the system now rather that be the people that believe it and fall for it we'll just put it that way because that's what's going on uh and don't question it i'll, I'll add that to that first part or people who do see what's going on haven't fallen for it and are scared for the people that have fallen for it and they want to wake them up so either way the system gets energy right and so yes. it's when you stop participating then in that it's when you just ignore the guy screaming uh, then that's when they stop yelling, you know, because they don't have your attention anymore. The people screaming only continue to scream because they're getting attention. So just turn it off. Shut that faucet off of attention. Yes. So um, I, uh, I I love this. I could just talk to you forever, but we're probably going to wrap it up here in a little bit. I just kind of have a commitment. But I do want to know, you said that you had looked some stuff up um, earlier on in the show. Looked
1: some stuff up? My
0: chart, I think you wanted to check a couple of things uh, out. Yes,
1: okay. Um, I will mention that, and I just want to say something about conspiracies and what they're doing to people. Yeah, I just want to wrap this up. But people say you have to understand your power, okay? So there is no such thing as inorganic matter, there is one source of life, and that includes us, okay? Physical experience. So there's nothing that can actually hurt you. Whatever's in the air, whatever's in your food, whatever's in your medicine cabinet is. Made of the same material that is available to the cosmos, which you are made from. So you cannot, it, like, if you think something will hurt you, it will hurt you. But your, your vibration is much more powerful than that of, like, a grain of wheat. You know, if you have an allergy or something, you can dominate all things with your will. So speaking of will, you have, you know, sun. I just saw really, really quickly the first thing that caught my eye. I believe you're a Leo ascendant. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So sun. So le- the first house is you. The second from the first is the house of resources. Therefore, it's your wallet. It's literally how the person makes money. So if you take the first ruler and put it in the second house, the person is usually apt, like they're adept at making money in their life. And then it gets a little bit better. You have a mutual exchange of rulers. So you have um, you have Venus in the sign of Virgo, which rules Libra, which is your third ruler, and Mercury in the sign of libra so they've swapped and it's the second and the third houses which actually the second house rules the voice box and the throat and the third is expression so mercury obviously is a communicator and venus is like a peacekeeper or a mediator so venus actually rules healers and she's a known as the planet of prophecy so i'm running a prophecy series on youtube shortly covering all my faves like baba vanga edgar casey and nostradamus but venus is said to consort with demons so really speaking for a living is excellent for you. You know, thinking for a living is excellent for you. And I did a creativity and astrology series on YouTube as well. And so many people who like sing, make movies, whatever, they have these two planets exchanging and they, their second and third houses just light up. They, and so when I I just opened it, I literally just took a look at that, wrote it down. I said, that's all I need to say. And by transit, you should you know, nothing is uh, predetermined, but let's say I believe I'm of the opinion you will start to do quite well within the next soon to the next 18 months. So I wish you much prosperity and all good things. And please keep speaking. It's it's going to reach people quite, quite far.
0: Man, that that does me good. That does my heart good. Thank you so much for saying that. And yes, ma'am, we're just going to keep rolling in because I see it and I feel it. And it does. Yes. This is when I started to point my feet downriver and just go, okay, I'm done fighting. I'm going to surrender to this. And that's honestly when everything woke up, uh, which is great.
1: uh, You have a Jupiter-Mars conjunction in the fourth in the sign of Scorpio, which is obviously like occultism. Jupiter is divine knowledge. And the fourth house is a deep contemplative house. It's the house we measure a person's happiness and trustworthiness from. And therefore it's the house of counselors. So Jupiter in the fourth or Saturn in the fourth, you know, it could be a bit rough, like voice of reason, but you're the voice of truth. Okay. And Mars is willful and he's very powerful in Scorpio. So you made a very good conspiracy theorist, but you, you know, and Scorpio is a sign of alchemy. You turned it around, you transmuted, you transformed, You purged, you walked through the fire. And lastly, you know, your Saturn in the third is exalted and the third rules masses, And uh, Saturn rules masses. The third rules one's efforts. So clearly through your own efforts, I think you're going to have like scope. You're going to really reach people on deep things that are not superficial, that they matter. And and then they're humorous and they're lovely and they're light. And I just love that for you. And that's great.
0: Damn. Uh, okay, all the more reason uh, that people should contact you, which will be located <laughs> down in the show notes. Thank you so much, Monica, for, for saying thank that and doing that. Much. That's that's awesome. Again, uh, just thank you. That's amazing. So, okay, all, all the ways to find her, guys, will be located down in the show notes. Monica, I can't thank you enough. This has been tremendous. You and I definitely have a lot more to talk about, so we will have you back on. Uh, thank but just, you. Thank you again. This is amazing
1: the pleasure is all mine and it's been my good pleasure and thank you so much to all of your wonderful listeners for giving me their time
0: I want to send a huge hug and a massive shout out and a thank you and everything to monica for coming and hanging out with us on the show of course you guys check the show notes for her guru grit everything is linked down there and she is phenomenal you're absolutely gonna love her Definitely catch a couple of her lives on TikTok if you can, because she is just one of the funniest damn people I've ever heard just riff. And she's wonderful. So anyway, all the ways to find her, of course, guys, like I've already said, down in the show notes. So while you're down there as well, check out Food Forest Abundance. As far as our affiliate links go, if you would like to start your own podcast, the Libsyn link down there is who I host through, and that link will get you two free months with that platform. Also, if you're going to buy any damn thing at all on Amazon, We've got an Amazon affiliate link down there. So all you do is you buy what you were going to buy, run it through that link, boom. You don't pay any more and it helps the show. And I'm grateful for everybody that's taking advantage of this, by the way. You guys are awesome. Also down there as well, uh, if you would like to expand your experience with us here on the show, do it at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's going to be links to all the socials, Rock Fan merchandise, lives are replayed there. A bunch of stuff that we don't put on YouTube because they're being little bitches is up on the website for absolutely free. Make sure that you guys check that thing out. So go out into this beautiful, mysterious place, whatever the hell it is, guys, and y'all pick up a piece of litter. Of course, be nice to everybody that you come across. Smile, hold doors open. It's not rocket surgery, but it makes a massive difference in the collective. Also, go a little bit above and beyond. Buy somebody a coffee or a meal in line around you. Makes a massive ripple effect as well. So also, while you're out there just kicking vibrational ass all the way to the max you can go ahead and up your game by getting the hell out of the left hand lane if you've got somebody behind you wanting to pass that's a great way to do it uh just move over they'll be right by you and then you can get right back over there and do whatever the hell you were doing so above all on anything else guys go out into this beautiful place whatever the hell it is and y'all just be good to one another thank you so much for listening we will see you next time